Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. Woo! Hello, this is the Fizzle Show, a weekly talk show for those who want to do great work, dent the universe, and support themselves doing something they actually care about. We run Fizzle.co, where new and used entrepreneurs learn how to create, develop, and grow a personal business in the modern age. Membership costs about a $1 a day. You believe that? But as a listener, you can try your first weeks for free on us. Five weeks for free when you go to Fizzle.co slash try five. Give it a shot if you haven't yet. In this episode, can you try two business ideas out at the same time? Or is that just going to waste your time on both of them when you're not focusing completely on either? On the show today, we share our thoughts on that question as well as three other questions recently brought up by the Fizzle Forums. You can follow along at home at fizzleshowfizzleshow.co slash 157. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the, welcome back to the Fizzle Show. My name is Chase Warman Reeves. Uh... Are you prompting me or us? <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I am. I'm trying to prompt you. My name. My, my name's Kerbit Burr. Kerbit Burr. I'm Barrett Brooks. Hey guys, it's Steph Crowder. Gosh, Steph, you're so good at that. You have you have a, you have a real voice for radio. It is. It's like a, a nice radio voice. Oh, yeah, comforting, soothing. Really rounds it out at the end of us three bozos. You're talking. like family. You're like family. We sound like we sound like the circus, and you're, you sound like family. I'm like, hey, everybody, just everything's gonna be okay. Just keep listening. <laughs> just keep, <laughs> listen. I'm real sorry about my friends here who obviously <laughs> have been drinking. Um, <laughs> so uh, my family and I were back from Mexico. We just got in this morning, but I brought some. Jamaica, some dried Jamaica back with me because Corbett turned me onto it as a fun little thing to drink as tea. Hi, and, it's, and it's pretty great. And I've been off caffeine for a while. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to tell. But uh, uh, I'm thinking about writing like a larger post for us about like how to uh, how to get off caffeine and why caffeine might not be the trick to being successful as an entrepreneur. Wow! Wow! Well, just content. You know what I mean? It's just content. That's all that is. Man, you're really really coming around on that one. <laughs> it's just content. You know. Some people are going to like it. Some people aren't going to like it. That's all we can do. And I'm leaving tomorrow morning for, for uh, actually, by the time you're reading, listening to this, I'll already have been in Austin, Texas for WooCom. You're an animal. An animal. Listen, I unpacked my bag. I washed all my clothes already. The clothes are already hanging. I'm going to pack them all back up. Bang, bang. Bam. Wow. That's how we roll. Yeah. That's how he do. Yeah, I'm reviewing another bag. $500 Tanner leather goods bag. Ooh. I'm vying for this one. I'm trying to be a good friend right now. Yeah. <laughs> I you're, like Barrett in the, in the peanut gallery right now. <laughs> you're in the money. If, if people don't know, like I love, I love, love, love bags. I don't know what it is, but there's to me, a bag has a purpose and I'm, and I'm always looking for the right bag. Um, and I've, I've, I have always made like, I got bags and I've made videos about them on the internet because I'm a freaking dweeb. <laughs> bags why. on bags on bags. <laughs> it's just bags all the way down. And uh, and so I, I, I started doing that and, and they started getting kind of popular, started selling a lot of bags through those videos and companies started reaching out to me. And then finally a, a larger bag blog called Carryology reached out to me and was like, hey, we can send you bags if you review and put a Carryology logo on the on the video. Still be your video. Still be your content. Do it if you can if you can include our sort of like rubric. I was like, good, I was looking for a rubric. I didn't have a rubric. So now I got a rubric. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. 
deal, you guys. He's kind of a big. I'm a, I'm a I'm a bag I'm a bad guy. I'm not. You've heard of the bag ladies walking around your town. Well, this is the bad guy. Not a bad guy, but a bad guy. And so and so. Anyways, uh, I, the latest one they sent me is this like really expensive hipsters wet dream, and uh, and I've been walking around Mexico with it for the last little while. Now I'm bringing it back to Portland where it really belongs. So that's an update on my life. <laughs> Reminds me of Manny Fresh, you know, the Bring It Back song. No, listen, you know what? Your no. your hips and your hops. I'm just not hip to the game, bro. Yeah, the hippity to the hop, and he don't stop. Mm, I do know that one. <laughs> uh, to the bang, bigger booger, set up, jump the booger to the rhythm of the booger to be a skilly bebop cheap Because who may do? But guess what? America, you sure we you love didn't you. Sneak a little caffeine Whoa. in there, yeah. Chase. <laughs> no, it just feels good to be home, man. Aiden, my son, comes over to me. He's like, Dad, it's such a beautiful day in Portland. Are you so glad to be home? He asked me, Dad, are you so glad to be home? <laughs> like, like it's leave it to Beaver or something. And I said, yeah, are you? He's like, yeah, but I do miss Mexico. And I do miss, I do miss LA because we had In-N-Out. And so I got mm. that going for me. Let's, let's, let's move on with the show. I feel like we're really sort of rat-holing here because you know that I can do that for a long time. Pretty much a whole show. I literally, we don't have to have a show here. I can just start talking about yeah. my life and give you guys fodder for things just to, you know, to pick and jab at. Today, I might just respond the whole time. Yeah, you would. Barrett has actually showed up with a smile on his face for once. Woo! <laughs> wow, Barrett, what, what's the deal? It's sunny and sixty degrees. I ran some errands this morning. I did my right and did my full morning routine today. Oh, oh, oh. Feels so what? good. I just need everyone to stop. Okay, it's snowing. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, that's it's snowing. I just can't oh, have this God, conversation Steph. anymore. I'm so sorry. I didn't. No, mean, I didn't snow's mean great. Put on some boots. Walk around. It's very special. You guys got a great summer there coming your way. No matter what, go skiing. That's easy, right? Yeah, when you're when you're 11 months pregnant. Right. Yeah, when you're 1,000 million <laughs> months pregnant. Thank you. Oh, oh does it just feel so? Is it? It's like. Is it hard mentally? Is it hard for you to like engage with with like? Uh, so for Steph does a lot of our customer support email. She's in the forums all the time. She's sending us forums to respond to and yada yada yada. Is it hard to like? Do you find your brain being sluggish or are you like? on point right now no i think i'm pretty on point mentally and i'm very happy to have work that i really like to do otherwise i i don't even know what i'd be doing with myself <laughs> i think yeah. any challenges at this point are very much physical and have to do with carrying like a 30 pound bowling ball in the middle of my body mm. <laughs> <laughs> let's just say the simple things are much more difficult walking upstairs sitting up <laughs> <laughs> yeah pr pretty much oh man uh when's your due date my due date is May 8th, Mother's Day. Mother's oh, Day. Oh, that's cute. Isn't that kind of well, isn't that just the most fitting thing you've ever heard? Should I just give you a bunch of tick marks? And not a, not a week from Easter. Might just mess with you. Yeah, you could. You could. You know all you know all the bad words, both of them. Corbett, what's happening with you, Corbett? I, I don't even know what's happening right now because I moved to a new town and evidently there's far worse bandwidth here than in the last town. So, so this is going to oh, be it's interesting. that bad, huh? Interesting month. Have I told you guys my uh, my idea for a band name called uh, Mexic a band called Mexican oh. Bandwidth? We're probably only going to show up to like every other gig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now with this? This is a free show. This guy's putting up premium material. Oh. Hey, Corbett, that was a funny. That was a good one, man. Yeah, that was a I, I, that was a that was a freaking <laughs> Barrett best of right there. I, I couldn't I couldn't tell because you dropped off for like the thirty seconds that you should have been laughing. So I thought it was just a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> We're hearing Corbett from like four minutes yeah. ago. <laughs> it's okay, Corbett. When you talk, we won't. You know, we'll just we'll just go. So just assume that we're nodding our heads, going like yes, yes, yes. And uh, let's just let's just say over after we're done talking, like we're on over. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Over. Copy. <laughs> okay, uh, listen. What we want to do on the show today is probably get into a handful of of questions um, because there's a lot that, that we'd love to talk about, but they don't necessarily take a whole a whole episode. So, Steph, do you think you got what it takes to to lead us through a few of these things? You guys are really keeping me on my toes today, but I'm I'm gonna really try and, and come through for you with some I great, love that Steph. <laughs> with some great questions that we have. Yeah, we literally told Steph like before uh like five minutes before, maybe six before we started <laughs> recording, we all were like, Well, what if we just did one where we just answered yeah. a lot of questions? You have like six questions ready, Steph? Yeah, that would every- be cool. Everyone out there can tell me how good a job I do on thinking on my feet. So we'll just give that a try. Yeah. Yep. That's all right. right. First question is um, kind of relative to, I guess, customers or people in your audience trying to reach out and get, I guess you could call it free help or free information from you um, when you might be really busy and all of us are trying to build our businesses. So this is a question from Seth in the forums. And the gist of it is he mentions that he kind of feels this sort of awkward tension between you know, the feeling that he gets when people write to him, email him and say, Hey, I need, you know, I'm wondering if I could get your advice on X, Y, or Z. And that this person's not really a paying customer of Seth's. I think that's the important note is that this is like someone who's just kind of happens to maybe read your blog or your podcast and they reach out and they ask you a question, you know, such as, Hey, can I get some advice on you name it essentially. So what Seth wants to know is, does anybody else deal with this? And what is your standard response when people are overreaching and expecting too much from you when you got a million other things going on and they just kind of want to pick your brain when you have a ton of other things that you can be handling within your business that will help actually move you forward versus getting stuck? Oh, I like this one. I want to let Corbett take it first. Corbett. Hey, Corbett, can I pick your brain? Let's hear what you have to say on this one. You didn't say over. 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 <laughs> oh, that that one got Barrett. I can hear him. <laughs> yeah, Barrett likes that one. <laughs> yeah. All you hear is wheezing in the background. <laughs> wow. Oh, Nailed it. Uh, this is a good one. I love this. Um, I love this from Seth because he's talking about he basically his site has sort of blown up and he mentions in here that he's getting 75,000 visitors a month. And you could just imagine, like, if this is what Seth is going through, just imagine what people with a million visitors a month are going through. Um, It's probably pretty crazy. I know in my case that as my site grew bigger and bigger, I had the exact same problem. And I had to transition from, in the past, I used to be very open and I would invite people to write me on my contact page. Uh, I would uh, mention it in comments on the blog. I would post my email address everywhere. And, um, you know, so you sort of have yourself to blame when you start to get inundated because in the beginning, it's very useful to get feedback from people and to be contacted from by people and even to go to lunch with people because you can have customer conversations as, as, uh, Steph would call them inside of the uh, latest fizzle course and really get to, even though people are picking your brain, you can sort of do the reverse as well and just listen to what they're struggling with <clears throat> And use that to inform your product and uh, and content that you're creating. But eventually, at some point, you just have to start to m- measure the value uh, that you're getting from these in terms of 
how you're spending your time and, and what else you could be working on. And so just realistically, you're going to have to cut down on this. And I guess what Seth is asking isn't, do you have to cut down? He, he knows that you have to cut down. What he says, the title of this was, how do you tell people to pound sand in the nicest way possible? Uh, so I've done a couple of things. One is remove your contact information or make it harder to find. It's just sort of a reality. You, you can't afford to have everybody contacting you, so you can hide some of your contact information or don't, uh, don't ask people to get in touch with you. Another thing you can do is I've uh, taken to just, just ignoring people when it seems like they're obviously sending a form letter of some sort. I get these by the dozens every day where people are saying, hey, I'd love to talk to you about thinktraffic.net or something where they're just writing a domain name and it seems like maybe they just looked up your domain in some registry or something. So you can ignore some people if it's clear that they're not writing to you directly. And then I also took a page from um, Seth Godin's book where I noticed that uh, I, I emailed Seth several times over the years in the past and he was he was usually very cordial. Sometimes he would offer to be interviewed or, or to um, contribute to something. But I also noticed that sometimes if he was busy, he would just simply say that. He would respond with basically one or two sentences, and he would say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm swamped right now, but I love what you're working on. Keep up the good work. And I've gotten in the habit of doing that as well. You still get across that, hey, there's a real person here, and I respect you, and I am glad that you wrote me, but I'm just too busy right now, and uh, I'm going to have to pass on this. So um you do that more and more, and then you get more and more comfortable with it, and it doesn't feel like you're telling people to get lost anymore because you're doing it in a, in a polite kind of way. Over. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, I think in some ways, what it makes me think of, first of all, is, uh, listen, uh, in those questions that you're getting, if they're from real people, if they have some validity to the question, those are great examples of pieces of content to make, um, whether it's a podcast or a video or a blog. Where you're making really, really helpful stuff that answers a question. Yeah, if you have a product to sell that goes deeper on that question, make that blog post or podcast or something be like the first part of explaining that thing. And then the, and then and then at the end you go like, listen, we got there's seven steps more in this whole thing. All of them are available in this this thing over here. That way, when people ask that question again and again and again, you go like, oh, great, great question, very common. In fact, I've answered it over here. All the best, you know, and just send a link. Um, that's that's one. I've always dreamt of that for us, you know what I mean? That, that we would ha kind of be able to go through all the forums and support questions and and kind of compile some master list where there's where there's just like a, a matrix of questions and categories of questions and kind of like master questions that fall, that all these other ones fall underneath, that they're all versions of the same question. So that we just know like, hey, we've got all the questions answered or nope, we still have to answer these three. You know, that we could kind of, I always dreamt of that, but man, it's just an undertaking. So if you've got a, if you got a real bookish quality to you and you really want to help out fizzle how about you categorize the uh how about you categorize the, the the questions for us do that do that for us if you're thinking about it but i think that would be fascinating you know as a as a kind of a rubric for you know if you if you haven't listened to episode 86 we talk about how to reverse engineer massively shareable content so it's like hey what should i blog about well this is a that provides fizzleshow.co slash 86 provides this cool uh I don't know, just framework for, for coming up for how to research what to write about, right? Well, another way might be kind of keeping track of these questions that you're getting. And, and so you, you don't have to repeat yourself very often. You can always, you can always kind of group them together and write content on that stuff. So that's always been a fantasy of mine.
Yeah, I think it's especially difficult when people reach out looking for very, very specific advice. That's something that I have struggled with working with Fizzle and being kind of like the triage person for all the email that comes in. Sometimes it's easy because people ask a very general question and I can point them towards a resource that we already have. But the ones I struggle with are emails that, number one, people put a lot of time and effort into and there's a lot of length to them. And secondly, they're very specific and they're about someone's individual situation because the truth is I want to help that person. But at the same time, it would take a significant amount of time to really give a thoughtful response. So something that has helped me is I think any opportunity you can take to artfully and gently guide people towards your you know, service, whatever that is, and not in a sleazy way, like, well, hey, if you signed up for Fizzle, this problem would solve itself. I don't mean it like that. But yeah. in the case of someone reaching out to me and saying, hey, like, could you look at my website and help me break down where I'm going wrong? I often tell people, listen, I would be happy to take a quick look and, and give you some insight. However, I'm just one person with one perspective. And the cool thing about joining Fizzle is there's 2000 people who can give you a variety of opinions on what they think you should do. And by the way, you can try it for free if you go to fizzle.co slash try five. So sometimes I think that just pointing people Wait, what towards- was that? You was that URL again, Steph? What, 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 what did they get for free? Um, that was fizzle.co slash try five. Receive five hmm. free weeks of fizzle and come learn from all these people who are dying to help you out with your individual situation, just like what we're talking about. Well, like what, what like what's it, what, like, do you teach things in there? Or like what's an example of some of the things I could learn? There's so much stuff you can learn. There's hours and hours of content. There's the Fizzle Roadmap. You can learn everything from how to choose a topic in your business all the way up to how to grow and scale and get yourself beyond your minimum viable income. And you can take a brand new course with me, my first course that I've launched as an instructor in Fizzle, all about how to have conversations with your customers and make sure that you have a good business idea before you get started, which is pretty helpful, I think. My goodness, that's all available for for me at fizzle.co slash try five at fizzle.co slash try five, fizzle.co slash try five. Oh, that's right. Free. Oh, my. That seems like you guys are being a little bit giving away the farm. So I don't really know if it's a good business decision. I'm going to try it, but I don't think you guys are going to make it. <laughs> I just love real matter of fact business Bob over here. I really don't think you guys is going to work out. <laughs> Sounds like bad economics to me. Uh, Barry, anything to add or should we move on to the next one? Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. Steph, are you on. ready for the nether one? Thanks for the great question, guys. This is, a, this is a good one, Seth. Yeah. Thanks for the question, Seth. Next one is a question from Samir in the forums. And this one is a just another variation on the same question that I feel like we've been getting a lot in the forums lately. And I feel like we've tiptoed around it on the podcast, so maybe we can have like a throwdown of, of put a line in the sand in terms of how we actually feel about this. So Samir wants to know, is it possible to work on two topics at the same time? And um, he says he took our choosing a topic course, which is one of our more popular topics in Fizzle and, or I'm sorry, one of our more, more popular courses. He says he has a lot of difficulties choosing between his two winners. So when you take the choosing a topic course, you may have, if you listen to the podcast, you may have heard us talking about our decision matrix. And um, he went through the decision matrix to help him figure out what he, what he should start a business around. And the two winners in his case were self-improvement and web marketing. And he says, I'm thinking about working on both of them at the same time, but on two different websites. However, I keep reading everywhere, including on Fizzle, that it's a bad idea because of focus, time, effort, et cetera. So can you please give me advice? Should I try to work on two different topics at the same time? Um, if yes, can you give feedback? If no, why not? So what do we think about that? I'll jump in on this one. Okay, go. Um, so I have 
I'll give it to you in like stages. In the early stage, so let's say like phase one, before you really launched anything, I think it's okay to explore multiple topics at the same time. <clears throat> I think that applies going all the way through customer conversations, basically, where you're talking with real potential people from the audience you've chosen to see if this business idea might be viable. I could see you taking two, maybe three ideas through that stage and then deciding which one if you really didn't want to decide. From um, phase the end of phase one, which is launching your business through minimum viable income, I think you got to focus on one thing or pretty close to minimum viable income, um, especially if you have a day job. Um, so I would say in phase two, you should focus on one idea and one topic and carry that through to actually making money and building a business up. And then I would say the you get a lot more freedom in phase three again. So if you look at somebody like a Sean Blanc, who's a fizzler, he's got three or four different sites that he runs and they kind of kind of spawned out of one another where he had one site and then there was this one series of blog posts that did really well and he spun that off into its own little entity eventually. And so now he's got four different things that he does, four different topics. But he's got staff, he's got you know writers and editors and all these people working on his behalf as well. And he's able to do that because he really grew once he was making enough money to be full-time on his thing. So I'd say, do you have to focus on one topic forever and ever from beginning to end? No. Do you need to focus when you're in the heat of it and trying to get your first idea off the ground? Absolutely. Okay, good point. Uh, counterpoint. Because um, the answer to this question is like, of course not, yes. Right. Like, you, could do it, you could do it both ways. Yep. My, one, one question to ask yourself, like, listen, I, I want to work on both. I, like, I think both of these would show up uh, as, like, as like the top of my topic decision matrix from the course fizzle.co slash try five, fizzle.co slash try five. Um, and, and I'm not sure exactly which one of them I should really do, or I'd like to do both. Is it possible to do both? One question you could ask yourself is like, how would you know if you were competing between these two, how would you know which one to pick? Like what, what would be the things that would show up where you go like, Oh, you know what? I should pick this one. Is it going to be like the amount of traffic that you get to the thing early on? Is it going to be the, the response from the audience uh, early on? Is it sort of how it feels to write these posts? Is it, uh, I, you know, when you're starting out, you're kind of like, I just want to see if I can do this, right? But what what happens eventually after you've done it is going like, oh, I can do this. Why didn't I think like, why didn't I think a couple years ahead of time and really put myself in the position of like, choosing between which one I'd rather run as a successful business. So I think maybe the question is less like, should I do this one or that one? Or can I do both? It's more like, which one do you, which one can you picture being like, do you want to, do you want to do, you know, which one do you really want to do more? Or beyond that, like, how would you know either way? Then can you devise a test that can, you can do a little work on both of those, you know? So I'm thinking very simply about like, well, what's more, yeah, but the go for it. The, the thing about that, though, Chase, I think is it's really hard to know which one you want or which one you would rather run until you've been in the thick of things for a while. Um, you know, it's 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 really hard yep. to kind of theorize like like you were talking before about um, doing cigar reviews or something. Right. And and you realized eh, I don't really want to like smoke mm -hmm. cigars every day and be that guy. Um, for some people, I think it's easy in the beginning to kind of romanticize what that would be like to be the cigar guy, but then not to realize two months from now, it just becomes really, uh, bad for your health and, uh, and whatnot after, uh, after smoking so much or whatever it might be. So sometimes you have to get into it for a while. Um, the other thing is that, um, 
I lost my train of thought. Well, I, I, th- I certainly hear what you're saying in that, like, you don't really know what it's going to be like until you're actually doing it. And I think you're bang on with that. That's, that's of course, like, all of this is trial by fire, and, and you learn as you go. But each time, at, at each stage of the game, you're really making a decision based on the data that you have. And so part of me is saying, like, what data do you actually need to make this decision? And if it can be like, like, so, so if it is like, which one am I going to get to traction earliest with? You can devise a test, you know, between these two topics, create a landing page with a thing and, and just like spend a little money to get advertisements going to it, see how much it costs to get people to the site and how many of them are, are clicking once they're there. Um, that's a silly idea. And to me, I, I don't do, I don't do that very often. Just be, I have never done that because, because I don't know, I want to, I want to bring more of myself to my decisions, not just like what the world wants from me or something, but it is a very viable option for discovering like which one of these things is going to work more, um, potentially. Uh, so it's, it, it, it I just kind of put the question back on the question asker. Well, well, like what, how would you know if you were going to pick one of the others, like what would the difference be? And uh, by the way, in the Fizzle store, Fizzle um, founder story with uh, Jess Lively, which was so great, there was she stayed after the founder story, and we do we do these these uh, webinars every week where where we answer questions from people who who call in. It's just like normally a very low key kind of water cooler conversation about like what are you working on, what are you stuck with, and and one of us is there to help out. And every month we do a big one where all of us are there, and Steph uh, or Jess Lively happened to be there. And someone asked a question and she talked about this exercise where you're like, no, literally like draw a circle in the room. One of them represents that one topic and one of them represents the other one. And you stand in one topic and you literally like are, are living that life. You're, you're living that life. You're writing for those people. You are a, you're not a writer. Actually, you're a podcaster. You're all the things that are, that are, that are, that you imagine would happen in, in that topic. Okay. Then you go to the other circle and you just kind of, you're living that life now and you're kind of paying attention to like which one feels better, feels more. And it, and it sounds real woo woo. But I love that idea because I think there's a lot in that 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 you're not already t- paying attention to probably. Um, so, anyways, take it take it as it is. But that's a that I think in some ways it's a really hard question to answer. And, and no matter what you pick, will that thing you pick will be the thing that you pick. And and the the only question is, have you picked it or has had it picked you? That's you know? some profound stuff. Right yeah, it's there. very deep. Yeah, profundidad. I think that if you, I love the idea of that two circle test that Jess talks about. And in addition to that, I would also say that if you are going to dabble in both, I think you would want to be in a position where you're not in a especially big hurry for one, any one thing to work, because I don't think that's the fastest path to success. And the reason I believe that is also a point that Ashley in the forums brought up. And I thought she put this well, she said she tried to do this herself and she had a Uh, I think a business insurance blog and a photography blog. So two totally separate things. And she brings up two things. One, both blogs were getting half of her attention. So she literally is splitting her brain and giving half of the effort into each one. And then secondly, she mentions her social media presence was scattered. So she couldn't figure out like, why are people following me? Do they like me because of photography? Are they interested in me because of insurance? And I think it can be very easily become overwhelming and that might make you kind of want to give up. So if you're up for the experiment and it's like kind of a fun, you know, thing you can tinker with, then 
I say perhaps it can work, but if you are really trying to like hustle your way to minimum viable income, I don't think that doing both at the same time is the, is the fastest path to success by any means. Mm. Yeah, I think you've you're got a good words there in that like it's going to take longer if you're picking more than one. I would also say that if you are picking more than one, can you figure out a way to go like, all right, with, by the end of the month, I'm making a decision. Like I'm yeah. going to do these two for a little while. Here's the seven things that I want to get done in both of them or whatever. And then you can make your decision knowing now just a little bit what it's like to dip your toes in doing each of these. Can you make a better, a more informed decision moving forward? But it's hard because you're right. You're splitting yourself. But if you're like, okay, these can take five, 10 years to grow into, into things, then, then sure, you can do both of those blocks and slowly just become a, a sort of expert voice, voice in both of those fields. You know? Yep. Absolutely. But that's not going to happen overnight. Cool. All right. What else we got? Okay. Next question is, this is another one that I think is pretty popular. So hopefully for a lot of people who've had this one floating around in their head, this one will uh, shed some light. So this is a question we got from Fiona. And the title of this one was, how can I convert- Fiona! <laughs> Knew that oh, was man, coming. I should have known. How did I let that one- You got that one, Steph. Donkey! Fiona! <laughs> really, really opened us up for that one. You're going to go cry in your huge pillow. <laughs> okay. So, question from Fiona. Title of her question was, how can I convert what she calls feels to sales? And... Um... Hey, guys, this is Chase Reeves walking through the Portland airport waiting to get on my plane to Austin. I thought I'd do a little sponsor read. Sponsor today is Fresh Books. Fresh Books is small business accounting for your personal business. Uh, excuse me. What was exactly your job? Was, was it? Was, was, was it? Was it your job? What, what are you talking about? I'm talking about a sponsor of my podcast called Fresh Books. They do small business accounting. <laughs> What is, why, why would someone want to go and do that? Why would someone want to have small business accounting? Well, you know, when you have a small business, you have money coming in, you have money going out, you have expenses and all this other stuff. You have to try to keep track of everything. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's so hard about that? I, don't, I mean, it seems, I'm not keeping check, but well, yeah, uh, it, it, it's a good question. When you have a business, you have multiple clients. It's like having all these different people you have to try to keep, keep your, your money straight from. And FreshBooks makes that really easy. In fact, for a lot of small businesses, it makes it so you can you can just see it right on the dashboard like where your money is and what's going on right now and they have a mobile app and all this what 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 so if I was like a hairstylist or something like just say like hypothetically if I was like a hairstylist does that mean like I could use this sort of thing to you know you know you, 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 you know sort of, sort of keep track of my small business account yeah that's exactly that's exactly the kind of thing you would do you'd have all these clients you'd have to see if they pay you and you'd have to make your expenses buy all your equipment and or the, the things that you need and so it's a perfect way to manage your accounts that way and I mean the good thing about this is you can just try it for free right what, 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 what do you mean I mean, nothing's free, honey. There ain't no such thing as free lunch. Well, it's not lunch. It's a it's a month of, of unrestricted access to FreshBooks when you go to freshbooks.com slash fizzle and say fizzle in the how did I, how'd you find out about us box. Wow. And that, so, so that's a whole it's a whole month for free unrestricted access. Yeah, that's exactly right. You get to have a whole month of using FreshBooks to do your small business accounting. Try it out for all people who listen to my podcast, The Fizzle Show. Oh, okay. Well, 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 well. Why don't, why don't we get back to the show then? Yeah, why don't we? Our thanks to FreshBooks for supporting Fizzle. Let's get back to the show. 
title of her question was, how can I convert what she calls feels to sales? And um, here's a couple details of her specific situation, but I think all of us can relate to this one. Fiona has been, I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> I need to not say her name. She has a... <laughs> Damn it. She has a longstanding blog. She's been blog in this case, she's been blogging for seven years and she gets a lot of great uh, feedback from her readers. So she has a readership at this point. She has a one commenter who said, I'm definitely grateful for one thing. And that is your blog. Your wisdom has made an immeasurable difference for many of us here. Thank you. And she has these conflicting feelings. She says on one hand, it makes her feel the warm and fuzzies. But on the other hand, it makes her, she says she make, it makes her want to bang her head on the keyboard because she's not able to really do anything with this like warm feeling that she got from the person who wrote it to her. So she also says that she's tried to launch a few products. She had two eBooks. She tried an eight week course and she sold some, but they weren't exactly brilliant launches. She also says, I've done a fair bit of market analysis based on reader feedback. Um, and the number one thing that people say they want is free content. So her question is, what am I supposed to do? And how am I supposed to make a living when I ask people what they want? And they tell me the answer is they want free stuff. So I think it's a great question. We hear this question a lot from people who are in sort of like the DIY and craft industry. Um, I, I can think of many examples of people that we've talked to on our Fizzle Friday weekly coaching calls who are trying to come up with these sort of like creative type blogs. And these people are used to being able to find free stuff on Pinterest, free crochet patterns or free, you know, blueprints for building a dresser. So how what's our opinion on how to take this momentum that people can build up with having a great readership and turning it into something besides people just wanting more and more free content? Mm, Barrett, what are you thinking? It's just kind of like mulling it over. Yeah, I don't <clears throat> I don't have a fully formed opinion on this one. So take this with a grain of salt. But what I'll say is that this is definitely an argument for why it's good to create a product early in the stages of building an audience. Because when you um, build a blog readership or a podcast listenership or whatever, and you don't have a monetization strategy early on, people get trained to expect free from you. You know, when you do that for long enough, they just expect that to be the standard. Um, that's not to say it's not overcomable, uh, but you are going to have to do some work to retrain people and find out what segment of your audience that's already there is willing to pay you for something. So uh, what I'm hearing from you is that, yeah, people want free stuff. People are always going to want free stuff. Like People are cheap and when they can be, and if they can get something for free or pay for it, they're going to get it for free if it's the same quality. So I think what you want to do is you want to go back to your audience and probably do a second round of interviews or a round of conversations to dig deeper and use uh, Steph's new course if you're in Fizzle or if you haven't tried Fizzle, you know, use your free trial to take that course and see how you can dive a layer deeper than that feedback that they want something free because everyone wants something free. The question is, what do they value enough that they'll pay you for it? And how can you differentiate that thing from what you're already giving away from for, for free? And I guarantee there's something there. Your whole audience might not buy that something, but some segment of them will. Yeah, in some ways, it's really hard, um, you know, uh, when we're in sort of therapy, self-help, when we're in uh, clinical social work type stuff. What's hard is 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 your expertise when, you, when you've 
gone through all that training to become that thing, you can speak on so many different things and you can be sort of a mile wide and an inch deep. And people who want like that kind of advice are always going to want that for free. Yeah, just remind me like every week, like about my relationships or about, uh, you know, my my health or about my like how to stay in touch with people that are living far from or, or you know, whatever, all, all sorts of life stuff I want to hear you remind me of. But it, it's I'm not thinking of you as the person I want to buy this specific thing from because I'm not buying a product on any one of those things. I'm not looking for sp- a tutor on any one of those things. But uh, if if you get more specific sometimes, those needs become a lot more intense. So if it's like I'm single and I really want to have a, a, a be married and have a long-term relationship, people are spending a lot of money in that place. If you have like a, a, I'm, I don't know, I'm divorced and now I have to re-enter the dating game thing. Like people are spending a lot of money in that space. People are spending a lot of money on individual topics, but maybe not on like the general sort of thing. What, what they do spend money on that is in personal, you know, therapy, actual one-to-one relationships. Maybe there's a lot of other like, you know, best-selling books type things that they're spending money. When we're talking about what are they spending money on? So, but they're also reading a lot of free blog posts out there. And a lot of the big publishers are making money selling advertisements on those kinds of sites, you know, and, and you're never, you're on us little guys are almost never going to be at the kind of traffic where we're going to be able to earn a living doing advertising. So it's hard when we're, when we're talking up too far and seeing too much of the landscape. But if we focus in and we get a little more of a needle point, we can actually get in to, to a need that, that, some people are willing to pay for it. That's one of the things that I read into this, but I don't, I don't know everything about, about this business and, and everything, but that's just one kind of, kind of, I don't know, story from my life that I think you got to, like Barrett was saying, when you, when you do all the stuff that you need to do to make a product, you start thinking about what would someone pay for? And that's an insanely valuable to be able to think through early on because you could do what I've done several times and just write for days and days and days without ever thinking about that really uncomfortable piece of information. I was just going to add, I think, you know, it's interesting because this is one of the things Barrett mentioned, the customer conversations course. And it, this is definitely, you know, if you're resonating with this, I think it's a great course for you to go ahead and take. And um, when we were going through the process of building that course, Chase and I hosted a webinar for people who are kind of just interested in learning more about it. And someone from the physical community, I had never heard this quote before. I'm sure you guys probably have, but this was the first time I had heard this quote by Henry Ford. And it really stuck with me, which was if I had asked people what they want, Wanted, they would have said faster horses. And that is that that just kind of reminds me of this situation. It's like, you know, there's a big difference between what Chase is talking about right now, which is discovering what people really need, even when they can't articulate what they need, but you just they know yeah. but you you can just see that they would pay for it or you have evidence that they would pay for it versus asking people what they want. If you ask people what they want, they are going to say free content, free stuff, you know, free patterns for your crochet on on Pinterest or whatever that looks like. So it's not as much about asking people what they want as much as it is asking a lot of questions to help you solve for them what they have not been able to solve themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's about it's more about asking what results they're looking for and less about what packaging. So in Henry Ford's case, you know, people did say maybe they he said they they would have wanted faster horses but the point is that they wanted to get somewhere faster and then as the entrepreneur it's it's your job to figure out a way to help them accomplish that so um you know in Fiona's case I'd be asking what 
results people want in their lives. And then it's up to her to create a compelling product or service that she can sell. I suspect that um, just in looking at her site, that she's simply not selling her services well enough. She's not giving people a, a strong reason to buy. She's not explaining why her services are valuable, what they'll help people achieve. And um, this is something I think that a lot of people um, fall into when they're offering services. They simply uh, basically sell themselves hourly. They say, here are some things that I can do, and this is how much I cost, and here's how you can book a session, instead of trying to package things up as a means to accomplish some specific outcome. If you can guarantee someone that if they pay you X dollars and they go through this process that you've defined, at the other end, they will have achieved X, Y, and Z, then it's a really easy sale. But if instead you just say, well, I can help you work through these issues and this is what I cost, then people are apprehensive because they don't see a major difference between reading your advice on the blog and paying, you know, X hundreds of dollars to work with you for a session. So, you know, I, I recommend really thinking through the specific kinds of things that you want to be able to want to help someone with. And then when you lay out your services, explain to them exactly how you're going to help them achieve it, how long it's going to take, how much you think it will cost, and maybe consider instead of just charging a flat hourly rate, um, and I know that's probably common in this industry or whatever, but break the norm with that and instead maybe put a package together. Say, you know, here's a package of 10 sessions and our goal by the end of this will be to help you have done X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I think just one more point on this. Um, I, love the, I love the headline of this one, you know, how do I convert feels into sales? For myself as this sort of sensitive creative type little boy that I am on the internet, uh, I've always been I've always been extremely sensitive to the feels, you know, to to feelings of reciprocity, of uh, feeling like someone's hearing what I'm saying, going like, yes, 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 me too. That's what I'm looking for in all of the work that I've ever done is you know connection, um, and and it can be in my life. I have made I have kind of sometimes believed that that's what matters and money doesn't matter, right? Money, I just, money represented like the absence of that or, or like me being a less uh, sort of, you know, uh, less values-based person, meaning like focused on virtue, focused on the higher things in life. And the only people who got rich are the people who don't focus on the higher things in life or that these things are somehow, somehow mutually exclusive or something. And that's absolutely not true. That's creating a binary sort of, you know, either this or that situation where it isn't that. It's totally, it's totally not that. It's not even a spectrum between those two. It's a completely false dichotomy. The truth is you want to feel the feelings uh, that your audience, you want to give your audience the feels, like right. You want to have an emotional connection with your audience, and that doesn't have to come at the at the uh, expense of money. You know, it doesn't have to come at the expense of monetary success, and it's such that you are able to support yourself and your family and continue to do that work that can that can make those feels happen on the other side of the computer screen. So I, I I just think it's a it's a it's a big point just to to say again that yes like some of us are very sensitive and not very analytical when it comes to money when it comes to work we're looking for more from it than just the paycheck and yet we're trying to get the paycheck and and it proves really really difficult because it's really hard to reconcile this money stuff 
to the sort of, I don't know, the real heart-based creativity, uh, um, intuition, empathy kind of kind of world that we, we want to live in all the time. But if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you got you to gotta balance both of these. You got you to gotta be pro, not even balance both of them. You have to be a pro in both of these. And it's possible. And it comes to it, it comes to a lot of situations like this where you're like, okay, maybe I'm not presenting what I actually do clearly enough. Maybe the thing that I'm that I'm presenting actually isn't something people are willing to pay for, but they would be willing to pay for this. And you have to do a little bit of a pivot. Who knows what it has what it would should happen or what you will choose in this situation. But you're the entrepreneur. You're intuiting and sensing that people are resonating with your stuff, and you can stay stay involved with them curious enough about them to where you can hopefully learn what they would be willing to pay for within the realm of your expertise. So uh, for all of you sensitive, creative people out there, listen, I just, want, I just want to say for everyone out there who, you know, feels that tug, you know, really feels that heartstrings being played out there. I just want to say, yes, I see you. Yes, I am one of you. And yes, there is life abundant on the other side Steph. of the internet. Steph, please. And hold, hold on. Before we move on from this, I also just want to point out that, you know, um, Fiona in this case is, is coming to this problem as an experienced uh, therapist. Yeah. And she has, she also has good writing skills. She's proving that with, with the blog and people are tuning into it. But as entrepreneurs, especially solo entrepreneurs, you have to realize that you are responsible for all the functions of your business. And there are many functions that most of us probably have zero experience with. These are things that a lot of people spend entire careers getting yeah. better at because they are very important functions to a business. Things like um, products and marketing and sales. And if you're not making sales, it's very likely that you are either not packaging the product appropriately or you are not marketing it or selling it well enough. And I think it's really easy to just kind of put something out there and think, oh, nobody's buying it. And then I'll just keep going about what I'm doing, which is blogging and hoping and praying that somebody signs up without realizing that you really need to hone in and focus on becoming a better salesperson and a better product creator and to take those things on and own them as just as if you're trying to hire someone who's very good at it because you're a solo entrepreneur, you have to be the person who becomes good enough to fulfill that function within your company. Mm. Amen. I just want to say amen, Brother Corbett. Amen. All right. We got time for, what do you think, one more? Yeah, let's try to do one more. Okay. So here's a question. This is uh, an interesting one. I feel like we have a lot of, we don't really talk a lot about podcasting on our show and we have a, a lot of collective knowledge on podcasting. Chase has a lot of you know experience with podcasting. Corbett recently started Lifestyle Business Weekly. Barrett may or may not have a top secret podcast project that I will not talk about any further. Um, but, so the question that I that I got from the forums is from Kyle, and he basically just wanted to know what are our our experiences starting a podcast, reaching out to people you might want to interview, and your favorite lesson learned in the process. What comes first to mind of all? For you guys? Listen, a podcast is not an interview. All right, it doesn't have to be. Those aren't one-to-one -one sort of things. 
Okay, there's lots of lots of great podcasts that, that out there that oh, maybe there isn't any anymore. But there used to be podcasts that did that weren't just interviews. So you don't have to just, you know, interview people. The thing is, interviewing people is really, really easy to make sort of compelling for radio. So that's why it's turned into that. And that's why, you know, the <laughs> iTunes is chock full of a bunch of weird interviews with people that may or may not be good. Um, so, uh, it's just, that's a little, little, uh, that's just a little piece of my flesh exposed right there. I just feel like I got a little nipped at right there. I just don't think, you know, you don't go, you don't go just from, in, just from podcasting to interviewing people, right? My experience, I'll say briefly, has been really, uh, terrific. Like, I love it. I'm a very verbal person. Uh, I have never done cocaine, but you can imagine that if I did, it would be terrible. Like, you would just hear me go, just motor mouth in my way through just a bunch of verbal diarrhea just non-stop right it would be totally uh inappropriate and uh, and pointless like you'd leave that and go like honestly the person's crazy um so i'm very verbal and 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 sometimes i don't know that with the things that i that i think until I'm, I'm i'm speaking them out verbally so i've loved the medium of just speaking not focused on being on camera i love that i love communicating with my voice that way um, as to like the technology of it, like it's sort of transparent to me. I don't, I, I think, I, I mean, I, I always have like been really, you know, into microphones and cables and all the audio stuff. And so I've always kind of been fluent in that stuff. And it's more of a hobby. We could, we could be easily sitting here with, with just a, you know, a couple USB mics and, and be just pretty, pretty much just as good. So ultimately to me, I just love it. And it's work. It's real work. It's not like a, it's, it's, it's not an immediate success kind of thing. It's it's a very worky work 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 kind of work work. You know what I'm working at? I'm working it. Uh, so that's what I would say. Oh, <laughs> you should see Barrett's self satisfied face. <laughs> uh, Why? Why? What? What? <laughs> Just the amount of times you said "work" in about 15 seconds. Oh, work. Like, Workity work work I, I work. Thought, that's was that work, like a work. Rihanna reference or something? I have no idea. Work, work, work. I don't know. I'm just saying that it's a lot of work. You can't just like hit record and, and then uh, put it out there, even though actually, I mean, you can. We do. <laughs> Chase, I just want you to know. <laughs> what? If you had a twin, I would still choose you. Oh, okay. Nailed it. I Anyways. Um, I'm still thinking. About, I'm going to have to go take a breather on that one. I'm going to lie down and think about it. All right. <laughs> uh. <laughs> on podcasting. It's great. It's, uh, it's great for what I said in, in response to this forum thread or another like it was that if there's a single benefit to doing an interview show, to me, it's not that you're going to grow a huge, huge audience. I think it's really hard to break through the noise on interview shows at this point, but you are going to grow a network. You're going to grow a network of people who know you and trust you. And if you're thoughtful about it and you do some research, you'll be able to reach out to them again. And that's a big benefit of doing interview shows. I agree with Chase that we don't need more crappy audio on the internet, in my opinion. like If you're going to make a show, have it, have a viewpoint on it. Have a story you're trying to tell. Have a reason, something to say uh, that's your reason for getting into podcasting, not just unless it's for the network building. So either I would say like build a network, make that the goal of it because you can control that or have something to say and use a podcast for that. I don't think we need too much in the middle of those two things right now. Now, an interview show might take off, but you can't plan on that taking off. You can't plan for success. It's just not going to happen. You're entering yeah. a lottery and you can't plan to win that. Mm -hmm. So that would be my perspective on it. I think if you go into it with the right expectations, you can do really well and you can enjoy it and it can be an interesting experiment for you where you learn a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about the fact that it's an interesting medium right now. It's just on the up and up. And, uh, but I, I think, uh, just don't, don't get into it because it's like, it's like a booming industry. Uh, I just, I don't see that continuing that way in a, in a way that makes it more likely that you're going to succeed. I think, yeah, it's going to boom and boom and boom, but like just as many more people are going to be getting into it because they think it's, it's another gold rush or something. Um, and it, if you want it to be, I don't know, it just, it just takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time to build the audience unless you just hit it big. And, and one of the things we've talked about out here is we, we have one podcast, you know what I mean? And then Corbett started doing his and then we were like, why don't we have multiple podcasts? Because one of them is going to get really big. You know, this podcast is like a decent, small to medium-sized podcast, about 10,000 listeners every week. But, uh, but, but there's, there's others out there that are vastly bigger than that. And maybe some, I don't believe that it has to, it's not audio production, it's not necessarily even storytelling. You know, Joe Rogan has a massive, <laughs> massive podcast and doesn't have either of those, um, really. So, I don't know, the, the, the question might be... Uh, or at least one of the questions that we're thinking about is like, why don't we start up a lot of different shows just for a season to see what what gets traction initially? Maybe there's topics and voices on on specific topics that could perform really, really well for us since we know how to do this stuff. We know how to put it out in the world and we know how to be excited about it. Um, I don't know. But Corbett, anything to say on that one? Uh, just make sure that, uh, I mean, if, if you want to start a podcast because you want to be famous, that's fine. But just realize that when, you know, several months go by and the podcast hasn't taken off, you're probably going to lose motivation. Um, so if, if you want a podcast and you want to stick with it for a while, because that's usually what it takes um, to build something that's valuable, then try to have some other reasons for doing it. For us with Fizzle, originally the idea was it gave us a great uh, reason to get together and have conversations about things that could lead to product developments and courses that we would create and things that we wanted to do with our business. It also gave us uh, a place where we could have long, intimate conversations with people who either were customers or might be customers in the future. And it turns out that it became a very valuable source of new leads for us, probably the, maybe aside from the blog or, or maybe bigger than the blog, um, you know, the, in, at least in the top three of sources of new customers for us. So despite being a small to medium sized podcast, like Chase said, uh, there's zero chance that we're going to stop doing it anytime soon because it's so valuable to us as a business. Um, even though it's not one of the, you know, top, whatever, uh, business podcasts, I, I still think it's, it's really unique and, uh, certainly worthwhile for us, even just for the fun of showing up every day and doing this. The other thing is, uh, I'd say that be careful with interview shows. There's a trap, I think, because interview shows are easy to do because it's really easy to show up and have a conversation with someone you've never met before for a half hour or an hour or whatever. But it's very easy to fall into the trap of, okay, I just need to show up and do this and not realize how hard it is to do an interview show really well. And part of doing an interview show really well, I think also is figuring out how you're going to differentiate that show from the vast number of other interview shows that already exist out there. Yeah. So I was going to add my two cents to that on that note in particular, having been a guest on a few different podcasts now, that's probably the biggest difference that I have felt being on the other end of things. So I've had the experience of 
people reaching out and saying, Hey, will you be on my podcast? And I say yes. And then I don't really hear anything about what the angle is or what the, you know, why I would be a good guest for that podcast. And I'm happy to show up and talk about myself if that's what I'm supposed to do. But I've also had the experience of someone reaching out and saying, Hey, here's a reason why I think you'd be a great guest on this show. You're the director of member success at Fizzle. I'd love for you to talk about what it takes to build a great membership community. Here are a few of the points I was hoping we could hit, not to the point where it's so scripted, you know, that it's like rigid. However, just to kind of know as the guest, how this, how I fit into the picture. And especially I think if you're approaching maybe, you know, more, I don't know, aspirational guests, then they can start to get an idea of why they would do this in the first place. Like how does this fit into their Mm. strategy for marketing themselves or for reaching a new audience? So having something of a plan, I think is um, not only impressive to the person you want to interview, but also comforting and I think makes for a better conversation. The other thing I'll add is that if I were going to start a podcast today, which I am uh, for Fizzle, I would do it in a season first. I would do a first season just to try it and see what the process is like. Before I made any like lifelong commitments that feel like I can't get out of them, I'd say I'm going to do 10 or 12 or 15 or 22 or whatever episodes. And I'd go do that. I'd record them all. I'd get them in the bank. And then I would launch them. I would put in the time to do it well on the front end and have the material ready to go. I'd put in the time to do the marketing well and the promotion well as I launched each one of them. And then I'd stop and I'd say, how did that feel? Mm-hmm. Did I like that? Is that something I'd want to do over and over? Because you can always go to week after week after week after you've already done a season. But if you commit to week after week after week and you do this big launch around, you yeah. say, I'm going to give this thing to you. It's not that you can't quit. It's that emotionally, it's going to be very hard to quit that yeah. once you've said it out loud. So I'd start with the season and just see how that goes. And if it goes well and you like it, then keep doing it. And that's how it's done. That's just that list. Hey, listen, I, I'm not a real, I'm it's not a, good a model for life. I'm not a bit. What's that Corbin? What'd you say? It's just a good model for life. I think in general, right? Would you say if it, if it feels good, do it. If it Pretty feels good, it. do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's good model. You know, I'm, that's why I've been driving this Uber car so long. You know, it's great. I feel good. I get to sit down. I get a, I get to stop at as many 7-Elevens as I want and nobody gets to tell me no. That's what I like. Um, we've 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 answered a lot of questions today. I mean, anything else you guys feel like saying before we get off the the air here, off the broadcast waves, off the old interwebs? No, man, we better hurry up and get off. Man, I'm just glad for everybody that listens to this show. I do love podcasting. I think it's really fun, and we get a lot of people responding. You, I read a new review every single episode, um, and every week we get another one or two of you guys writing some stuff. Sometimes more than that. Uh, in iTunes, you know, so it sounds like people are liking the show. I like that. I try never to look at the statistics. That's a big trick for podcasting is never look at podcast statistics because <laughs> they feel really good for a while when you're on the up and up and like, oh, now we're new. Normally. Oh, and then it's just like, and then it's just, it's no bueno. It just feels like it's hard. I mean, we, we've had, uh, we, we switched from SoundCloud or from Libsyn to SoundCloud and uh, SoundCloud counts their stats lower than Libsyn does because counting stats and audio and all this other stuff is just basically voodoo. There's a bunch of different ways to do it. So anyways, uh, all that to say is it's going to be work. Like I said, it's a worky work. It's work, work. And I like doing this work. I like talking with you three people, you lovely, lovely people, and hearing all of the, all of the, the opinions, except for Barrett's opinions on videos. Not really fond of those that much. Um, Man, I, that, that was the closest I ever got to hate mail. Did you get some hate mail? No, yeah, just bit. some people commenting about, yeah. yeah. R- really? Yeah. Where? In the comments? Uh, I don't know if it was comments or emails or... Yeah, a little bit of both. You know? <laughs> hey, I'll take it. 
It's just my opinion. It doesn't have to be your opinion. <laughs> I had a friend go, why are you letting Barrett talk about, like, like, like take down the thing that you guys do for a living? <laughs> you shouldn't be allowed to do that. <laughs> oh, God, it's terrific. We live in an age of multiple possibilities, and you, my friend, are just at the beginning of the next. And I, my friend, have been Chase Wardman Reeves. Uh, before I sign off, I just want to mention to everybody that uh, I feel like there was a period of time where we forgot that we have this tremendous offer for podcast listeners only. Steph mentioned it earlier. Chase had some wonderful questions, of course, about what it is. And I just want to mention one more time for people listening to this. If you haven't checked out Fizzle before, you can do it by heading to fizzle.co slash try five, where we will give you five weeks on the house to get in and see the courses that we offer, the wonderful tens of thousands of forum threads. And uh, you can also get weekly coaching from us where you can show up and ask questions about what you're working on. And we'll try to give you some, uh, some great guidance and, uh, and, and all the other bells and whistles that come with it. So head over to fizzle.co slash try five, give it a whirl. You have nothing to lose. And uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. And we'd also love to hear what you're working on. I have been Corbett Barr. As long as I got the mic here, let me just set the record straight on this. If you're going to learn to build a business and you need training, by far and away, unless you can go to Y Combinator or some kind of in-person accelerator where you can be like in person with some of the world's best entrepreneurs and investors and things like that, I think Fizzle is the best place to do it. And I'm going to continue to work very hard along with the team to make it the best place. There's no better place on the internet, anywhere, anywhere in the world to learn to build a business, period. And no, I personally am not always a fan of watching videos. That has nothing to do with what you need to learn to do a business. And what you need to learn is inside of Fizzle. So I just want to clarify that far and away, Fizzle is the very, 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 very farthest away. The farthest and far farthest, away. Farthest, farthest, further, mm. further, farther. You have been. Barrett Allen Brooks. Look at that. <laughs> She's guiding me to shush. I'll also just add really quick that you can cancel anytime in case we didn't make that clear. You can try it out. If it doesn't feel like a fit, you don't have to pay us. You can cancel. And if you pay us on accident, I'll take care of it for you. So just realize that when Corbett says you have nothing to lose, it really is true. That's the first thing. And the second thing I want to say or maybe ask of people is I would love to know personally if you liked the way that we laid today's show out. Usually we just pick one topic and we talk about that for an hour. I think it was kind of fun to talk about four different questions, but I, it kind of felt a little bit like a radio show. So I don't know. I would love to hear from our listeners whether you like <laughs> whether you like the you know caller on the line approach or if you like it when we go deeper into one question at a time. And with that, I have been Steph Crowder. I love it. I love it. This reminds me of in our email list, I went through and made this like big 20 email autoresponder thing that just kind of introduced people, new signups to like our best, most popular content. If you haven't gotten on that list before, you should do it. Just go to anywhere on the site and you'll be able to sign up. And, um, and there's a bunch of free guides that you get and all sorts of stuff. But at the bottom of, of a lot of the pitch of, of the emails, I add this like tiny little list at the bottom bullet point list that's like, all right, the pitch. Listen, I, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that we also run Fizzle, which is a which is a site that uh, which is a uh, a thing that you can be a part of that gets a lot of training and community and yada yada. But the way that I sell the pitch in there is I just have like four little bullet points, and each one of them says a simple thing that links to a a GIF 
that sort of represents that thing. And the mix between the words and the GIF is always amazing to me. Uh, so I like the idea of, of us pitching all, everybody's pitching their, their favorite part of the different one. I like that. So next time we could try to do that where it's like, and I like this part about fizzle. And Bear's like, I like this part. It's a pretty good part. And Steph's like, well, I don't know what you think. This is my favorite part. And Corbett's like, well, you'd be an idiot if you didn't like this part. <laughs> and we'll see you there. Or we'll see, see you another time. another time. So there you have it. Thank you again to everybody who asked the question in the forums. Thanks for being brave enough to share, you guys. You can find show notes at this episode, fizzleshow.co slash 157. Listen, do you guys do you guys ever go to the fizzle sh- to the show notes? When I put those things together, uh, I don't know if you ever go to them ever. Send us a tweet if you do. At Fizzle on Twitter. That's a social network platform. It's a good one. Send us a tweet and let us know if you go to the show notes at all. I'd love to, I'd love to know if you actually go to there. Uh, and then you can go to fizzleshow.co slash 157 for the show notes on this episode. Here's a rating from uh, Life Current in the U.S. of A. who says, The heart comes through with brains. As a struggling entrepreneur in the game for over a year, I am always happy to hear the Fizzle Show for its spot-on subject matter, which these guys take from actual questions in their community. I can tell they genuinely reflect on how they can best help and serve us. And that comes through in the well-crafted banter and their wealth of expertise. Now, thank you very much, Life Current. That is a heck of a thing for a guy like me to read as I'm looking through the iTunes reviews. Thanks so much for taking the time and writing that. Dear listener, if you if you enjoy the show, one way that you can support us is by is simply by leaving an iTunes rating. Go to the iTunes store, click uh, search for Fizzle, and uh, and click write a review. Doesn't cost you much; means the world to us. I'd love to hear what you have to say. So, when you hit your next roadblock, when your arse starts to singe from the fire, remember you are not alone. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday. <laughs>